Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Moss Fries. He is an amazing podcaster himself. He's the founder of The Growth Island, which is a podcast on health, performance, business, and life's bigger mysteries covering more than 80 episodes with global experts. One of his biggest passions is building a health-related impact ventures. And during the past years, he has co-built three successful startups with the venture company Kring. He's playing sports at a high level and discovering many studies on personal growth and performance, which has led him into a continuous research journey. He found that many resources focus on just 80% of the problem and only 20% on the solution. Now he's on a mission to flip this statistic around to help more people. Welcome to the show, Mass. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. It's always great to speak to someone like yourself who has done so much and is involved in so many different things. Like, How would you describe what you do today to someone so they can get a little bit of an insight into what your daily life looks like? Basically try to help people live their best lives. So that happened through different things. It's both coaching, it's podcasting, and writing a book right now on habits. So that's taking a bit more of my time. It's doing workshops around these areas. And then right now I'm in the board of some of the companies that we build, um, three companies right now. And then we're in between two funds of uh, building new companies. So that's the very short version. Well, tell us a little bit about those startups. So, I mean, the startup world is sleepless nights, burning the candle at both ends. It's generally a very hectic, busy, frenetic kind of life. Um, do you find that you're able to sort of flip that around and not get so caught up in that kind of pace? Or do you find that you give into that pace, you push really hard, but then you find your way to take rest and relaxation other times? I love what I do. So I see it more as a calling than work. And I think that's one of the key things in whatever you do is find something that actually gives you joy, right? So I'm super passionate about health and our companies are related to health. One of them is a, a mental health assistant where I had the opportunity to read manuals for um, stress, anxiety, and depression. And for me, that that's something that I would actually like to do in my free time as well. So in that way, I have a mix of like, would you say spending a fair bit of hours? And then at the same time, I really make sure I get rest. I always get seven to eight hours of sleep. I make sure I get movement into my day and all of the things that get you at the, to stay at your best and don't burn out. Too many people are burning out these days. Why do you think burnout is so common? I mean, do you think it's a cultural thing where we honor the hustle and, you know, hey, I pulled three all-nighters in a row and everyone celebrates that? Or other than cultural, do you think it's just kind of human nature to push yourself beyond your limits? I think there's a cultural thing that uh, has definitely got screwed up. I think those like not sleeping, like luckily I'm seeing at least that is no longer being honored. It's no longer like a batch of honor, like, ah, I didn't sleep. Like it's okay to have one day here and there, but at least I don't see in the startup environment or in the consulting environment where I'm, I'm still located that people are like, yeah, I don't sleep. 
because it's not cool. There's so much research out there showing that you're not productive and so on. But some people still don't prioritize their sleep. We know that people are getting really poor sleep as well, which is a big cause as well for for causing these burnouts. And so you're an athlete. So obviously, used to be an athlete. Used to be an athlete. Used to be an athlete. Well, come on. Once you're an athlete, you're (laughs) always an athlete. I mean, maybe we can call you a retired athlete, but tell us a little bit about your sports life back then. Yeah, so I used to play um, in my youth both handball and football. Football, which you call soccer in the US, and handball is Olympic handball. So that used to be practice um, one to two times a day because I was playing both sports until I had to select one of them. And then there would be games in the, in the weekend. So I'm kind of used to um, doing a lot of things. But it's always been stuff that I love to do. I found a lot of joy in sport, right? So I would have like one to two hours of practice with one thing and then the other thing afterwards. And it was fantastic. I was part of a team. So I miss that sometimes, being that closely with a team. Um, and that's also what you get in the startup sometimes, that you have the founding team where you feel like you're on that mission and you're working really hard together and kind of practicing together to not win a game, but but make your company out. So, uh, so it actually makes a difference for a lot of people. Do you think that the world of sports and being an athlete translates into business? I mean, do you think that being that disciplined and I don't know, being used to teamwork translates later into more success in business? How about some of your other teammates? Did they ever become entrepreneurs? So good question. I'm pretty sure some of them have, but I definitely think it's uh, it's something that translates. Um, At least what I see other people as well. And it's not just... Whether it's sports or whether it's music or something else, but doing something at a young age that like takes a lot of effort and that you show up consistently, I think that translates into anything in life and especially in the work and starting companies because you learn to take responsibility, you learn to show up even though it's not fun. So I think that's it's an extremely good thing to have in your upbringing that you actually play sports or play an instrument or something else where you actually have to show up and especially where you're part of a team. I definitely also have experienced at least that some of the people that have been playing team sports sometimes better at working with teams where the ones that might have been playing tennis and uh, not saying that all tennis players are bad team members but some of them that have been doing individual sports might not have had the same way of practicing so much being part of a team. So I often like to look for people that have been doing sports and especially if they've been part of a team because you kind of have that practice of being part of a team. So true. I'm going to quote you back to yourself. Learn to show up even if it's not fun. And I think that's brilliant because there's a lot in being your own boss, you know, and starting a business, being an entrepreneur that is not fun, but you have to learn to show up. I mean, you really have to do all the parts, not just the parts that you want to do, not just where your calling or your passion is. And for some entrepreneurs, that means you have to look at your numbers. You have to hire a bookkeeper or do the bookkeeping yourself. And some of it isn't fun, but I love that. It's all about discipline. And yes, if you've been an athlete, you might love being out on the field playing football, but you might not like doing the stretching or the yoga or the, you know, the weights or something, but you have to do all of it. You can't just pick the fun parts. And many people underestimate what it means to be an entrepreneur. Like they only see like Shark Tank or something else. And they don't realize how many, like how much it actually takes to be an entrepreneur. I think that's something that we need to talk more about in, in our discussions about being an entrepreneur. It can be an absolutely beautiful life, but it takes time before you get to that full freedom. What are some quick tips that you can give to somebody who's on that path, on that journey right now and struggling a little bit? It's kind of a shitty advice, right? But patience, um, we often want everything to happen in no time, but things take time. So both like someone that's struggling right now and working in entrepreneurship, figure out, are you really working in something that you're passionate about? Is it an area that you can see yourself in or should you potentially be doing something else? And if you're in it and it is something that you're interested in, things take longer than we expect. And you can use all the classical examples of J.K. Rowling 
with her book and how she got rejected and rejected and she was like living almost on welfare and had her daughter or son, I don't remember what it was, sitting and writing at a cafe like with them on the lab or, and then finally getting that contract and she got so many rejections before breaking through, right? And her first contract was solo. Or Sylvester Stallone that like wanted to be a, an actor and you can read up the story or look it up. I won't go into the full one, but like he, he was selling his dog in the end to get money because he couldn't he couldn't feed the dog, but he was going for his passion, right? But it's that hard mix between like, when do you keep going and when do you actually stop and change direction? That's a tough one too, because we often tell people, don't quit, don't quit, keep going, keep going. You might almost be there, but sometimes someone has picked the wrong path and maybe they should pivot or restructure their goals or or shift it around. So that, that's a really tough one, but I agree with you. I think it's more common for people to lose patience and give up too soon than mm. it is for people to keep going too long. Often what happens when you keep going is actually you find another way or you find something else in the industry or you suddenly crack it after a while. When you look at many of the startup stories as well, it often sounds like everything happened overnight, but often that's also because the story has been changed for the media. So if something like Slack, which is the software, which was known to be the fastest unicorn in the world at a point, which was like eight months from starting it to a unicorn. But the real truth was they've been working for several years and they kind of changed the design and used it for a different audience and so on. So it wasn't really eight months. It was several years before they got to that stage. And often we don't see that. We see everyone else is succeeding at like such a high speed. But in reality, often the story has also been rewritten about how much work they actually put into it and how long it took. That's so true. And you really can't trust what you see on TV or, or how a story is told because that's never going to be the 100% truth. Uh, speaking of percentages, I know that you focus on sort of that 80-20 rule and uh, how often people spend 80% of their focus on the challenge and the problem, but only 20% of their efforts and time looking at ways to find solutions. Do you find that the 80-20 principle applies in other aspects of life? And you know, what are you doing to shift that ratio? Yeah, so the 80-20 the comes from Pareto optimization, which was this Italian that found that with many things in life, 20% producing 80% of the outcome. And, and we can use that if we look at wealth, if we look at crops, if we look at customers and so on. And I kind of found like the negative was when I was looking at solutions, at least when it came to health and so on, we often talk so much about the problems. We talk so much about the problems with climate change. We talk so much about the problems right now with COVID. We talk so little about what can people actually do to boost the immune system and other things so they don't get as sick. And, and I see that in a lot of places in society, both in regards to we talk about problems or do we talk about solutions um, and figuring out like who are, what are the main activities that really move the needle. And it's always hard. I try to sit on Fridays or on Sundays and evaluate my week and look at how did it go? Did I use my time on the right things that really makes a difference? Or did I end up doing too many small meetings, which is often when it's gone wrong. And then I plan the coming week to kind of ensure that I use, I use the time on those 20% that really makes a difference instead of all the stuff around it. That's a fabulous tip. What are some other sort of hacks or techniques or just advice that you have for people on ways to optimize their time and their week? Yeah, so definitely planning. We know and we just if we just wake up and go to the day, we spend too much mental energy on trying to figure out what to do. And we end up often doing things that are on other people's agenda. So your email is other people's to-do list. I think that's viewing it that way is quite helpful. 
because it basically is other people's to-do list of things people want you to do. And it's very easy to get dragged into focusing on email being the most important thing and you have to answer everyone. So what I do, I try to schedule in time that I actually look at my email and then I answer. We know that productivity is much lower if we have emails and other notifications and so on. So basically being super laser focused on what is it that you're doing and don't have notifications, anything actually interrupt you. So we get some of that deep work. And the way I do it is that I both schedule my time I make sure that I schedule the most important things and that I have these times to answer emails, answer other people, go to social media. And then I know when I have to shift and I put like alarms on my phone to kind of get me out of the deep work so I know I have to go to the next thing. So I had two alarms before this interview to make sure that I would be fully present in everything else I was doing, but also be present on this, like, but also make sure that I actually showed up for the interview and not like being caught up in something. It's very practical and very easy to actually do. Yeah, no, I I love the idea of just using alarms too, because I find that when you don't use an alarm, it's almost like you task some part of your brain with monitoring and keeping tabs on that upcoming event or appointment. But same thing with writing things down versus just keeping it in your head where it takes up that little bit of bandwidth because you've now said, I mean, if you think of your brain as sort of like, a group of helpers, right? And you've got all your different brain function. And if you designate a part of it to say like, oh, make sure that I'm ready for this big event coming up on Thursday versus just writing it down so it's out of your head and on paper. Yeah, I love the alarm system because I think it kind of works that way too. I do it all the time. I'll, um, in the early morning, I'll look at my calendar for the day and then I will just set three or four or five alarms, whatever it might be before each big event to make sure that I don't accidentally miss it to make sure that I have a little bit of prep time so I'm not just seeing the event you know, when it happens. And uh, I think you and I both benefit from that because that is a good technique to have. And it's so easy these days for most of our, us with smartphones. It's great. I mean, you just you can just push a button and usually say to your you can just tell your phone set alarm for, you know, 257 called prep for, you know, such and such meeting. And it's, it's fantastic. It really is. But there's so many things that we can do to actually reclaim more of our life and, and get that good life, right? Don't participate in meetings where there's no agenda. Like make sure that it's clear, like why are you showing up? Is it just a pure networking meeting, getting to know each other? But otherwise, make sure that it's prepared. So many hours of life are wasted every single day on meetings that don't provide value. A meeting doesn't have to go for an hour. Might as well go for 25 minutes. And then actually scheduling that you don't have back-to-back -back meetings because often what will happen is if you don't have those five minutes or two minutes to breathe, you'll go into a new meeting and you won't really be properly present before. So actually also getting into a habit of potentially scheduling meetings that are only 45 minutes, 55 minutes, or some kind of like not even number. So you have those few minutes of breathing. And what happens is we use the time that we have scheduled. There's this phenomenon in psychology, like we often use a time that ever we have. Like if you, if you get three days to do something, you'll do it in three days. If you get one day, you'll do it in one day. So true. And, you know, there's a difference between uh, creative type themed meetings versus more administrative and kind of functional meetings, because in some meetings, having a little bit of white space and letting everybody brainstorm and speak their piece is great. In other meetings, you can just get so bogged down when everybody wants to put in their two cents worth and their input, where uh, really the same thing could have been accomplished with two emails, right? Mm. And uh, meetings can be pretty evil. I mean, they can be time sucks and they can be completely unnecessary. And uh, I don't know, you know, what some of the ways to cure that would be. I love your idea of always making sure that you have an agenda. I'm wondering if it also makes sense at the beginning of any group meeting um, to have that agenda 
up so everyone can visually see it. And then just to to ask, you know, which of these items can we delete today? Because it's already become irrelevant or we've already addressed them um, and give people a chance to put something on the agenda if they, but you know, when you put things on an agenda last minute, then nobody has time to prep or think about it before the meeting. So maybe the rule should be you never add to the agenda. You just maybe add items for a future meeting, but never on the fly. What do you think? I think whenever practical, it makes sense. And then of course the real world hits once in a while, like something came in, which is actually more important than whatever is on the agenda and the meeting ends up being hijacked. So it, it depends very much on the environment, but I definitely agree that like, there's a tendency also that you, as you're saying, like, oh, let's just get this in the agenda as well. And this, and people are not really prepared. So I think you need to, it's important to look at, is this something that's actually more important than the meeting? Or is this something that we just put on last second because we kind of feel like we want to talk about that as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. So what do you have coming up for you that's exciting? What are you building towards? Um, what kind of projects do you have on the horizon that you're working towards every day right now in the current time that you can share with us? Yeah, so currently I'm writing a, a habit book and that's given me a ton of joy. I really believe habits are such a big part of living the good life. Um, having those healthy habits so that you have that energy to show up so you're not only working but that you have that energy also to be with your family and your friends because way too many people end up only having the energy for their work and then they're not really living life apart from work so building healthy habits um, that are both productive and get you what you want in life i think that is so fascinating and i got the book written now and it's uh, it's getting to the second feedback session or states soon i'm getting it back from an editor again and then there'll be 30 people more reviewing it i send it out to uh, seven people to review it first to kind of make sure that i'm not just writing a book that i think is great but something that the users actually think and then it's written in a very um, action-oriented way so instead of those books that you read and you get intellectually challenged or curious i want to make it a book where you that happens as well but more that you actually make changes in your life so um, a lot of hours goes into that right now well, that sounds super exciting. So, Mass, how do people actually connect with you offline or online so that they can be the first to hear when that book does get published? Yeah, my website, growthisland.com, is you'll there'll be a pop-up where I will, if you put in your email, you'll get like a cheat sheet for habits and I'll make sure to follow up. And then I have my Instagram profile where I'm very active, which is Mass M Free. So M-A-D-S-M. F-R-I-I-S. I'm sure we can probably get that in the show notes. Absolutely. So Growth Island would be the site to go to. And yes. we'll make sure to link to all of your socials so people can connect with you because you are just a great thinker. I love what you're doing in the startup space. You have truly you just moved mountains in all of your different philosophies and you've changed a lot of lives. So thank you for all the good work you do in the world. I hope we stay in touch. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Guess what, lifestyle solopreneurs? If you don't yet have an online business earning you enough passive income to live the life of your dreams, I'd like to suggest you consider trying out Kajabi. Kajabi is an all-in-one solution where you can create and teach online courses, publish a paid newsletter, launch a free or paid podcast, process payments, build one-on-one -on -one coaching portals for your clients, and much, much more. I personally use Kajabi to power numerous successful and profitable online businesses. Lifestyle solopreneurs, there's a free trial of Kajabi waiting for you at this link, www.kfreetrial.com. You can try Kajabi for free, no obligation, by going to www.kfreetrial.com 
Again, kfreetrial.com, and that K stands for Kajabi. Starting an online business helped me break free from that corporate grind, and I hope it does the same for you. You have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and see you next time.